Welcome to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be starting a new Parsha, Parsha Zvayetze. We're looking at Rishon today, the first Aliyah in Parsha Zvayetze. The topic of our Aliyah is Yaakov and the dream of the ladder. Our particular Aliyah is 13 Pesukim long, running from Perak Chavches, Pasuk Yud to Pasuk Chavbez. However, this is the first Aliyah of a very long parasha of 148 Pesukim for Vayetze as a whole. Let's take a look at a brief summary of the Aliyah and then think about some points to ponder. We hear that Yaakov now leaves Be'er Sheva, where his father is and his mother is, and goes to Haran. We hear that he encounters this place and stays there for the night because the sun sets takes a number of stones, puts them around his head, and has this dream. In the dream, there is this ladder which is standing upon the ground, and its head is reaching the heavens. The angels of heaven are going up and going down on it, and Hashem is standing on it. And and Hashem and Hashem says, I am the God of your father and of your father Abraham, the grandfather Abraham and father Isaac of Avram and Yitzhak, and the land which you're dwelling on or lying on is going to be for you and your children. You're going to be as multiplous as the children, of, as the dust of the earth. And I'm going to give this land to you. You'll be a blessing for all the peoples of the earth. Hashem also promises Yaakov that he will be with him and not abandon him while he's doing his mission. Yaakov wakes up from his sleep and realizes that this is the place of Hashem and he, didn't re- and he was not aware of it and says, How awesome is this place? This is the house of God. And this is the gateway to heaven. So in the morning he wakes up. This seems to be that the first waking up was in the middle of the night. When he gets up in the morning, he takes the stone, which was by his head, makes it into a matzeva, which is a standing stone altar, places oil on it, and he calls out the name of Hashem. Um, and he says, I mean, this, the place that he's at is in base El, it's described, but it's called Luz before. And he makes the following oath. He says, if God will be with me and he will guard me upon the way which I am going and gives me bread to eat, clothing to wear, then and I, and I return to the, to the house of my father, then shall be to me as a God then, this stone which I um, have placed over here will be a base the house of God, and everything that I will receive, I will tithe, I will give a tenth to Hashem. That's a general view of the Aliyah. Very complex, Ali, a lot of very different things going on. Let's take a quick look inside. First question, or point actually, just is to notice is what the name of the parasha. Oftentimes the name of the parasha is really just, seems to just be the word. That's the, either the first word in the parasha or in the first pasuk of the parasha. But we will have to realize that it actually has a direct consequence and reflection of on the, the actual meaning of the parasha. I once heard from Rabbi Jonas Skler, a very beautiful point, that this is the parasha of Golos. This is the diaspora exile experience, which is why the parasha is when Yaakov leaves and the parasha ends when Yaakov returns. It's the parasha of Vayetze, of going out, of leaving. This is the parasha of being a diaspora Hebrew or Jew, as we would call it today. It's interesting to note that if you look at the parasha as a whole, there are no paragraph breaks. It's one of the two parashas in the Torah, which is devoid of paragraphs. And part of the reason is, is that there's no time for retrospect. There's no time for contemplation or understanding what was going on. A few other questions. Where is this place precisely? So Rashi says that he is now sleeping on Har Hamoria. Rashi points out that it's complicated because later on in this aliyah, it sounds like he's at base L. 
So where is he exactly? So Rashi's narrative goes as follows, is that he traveled to Beis El, passing by, the, he's going from Be'er Shev in the south, passes Haramoria, gets to Beis El, realizes that he, he missed Davening in this special place, and then Hashem transported Haramoria to Beis El, to that area. Um, and the ladder is stretching from the foot of Be'er Sheva all the way up to Beis El, and the Shipua, the, the, the diagonal of the, of the ladder, is over and above the Haramoria. However, the Ramban points out that none of the Medrashim seem to match up with the description that Rashi is saying. And so he, he says that this also doesn't sound like the typ- typical type of kefitza saderech, shortening of the road. So the Ramban gives a different explanation. Well, there's many explanations that he shares. One of the Midrashic explanations the Ramban adopts is that Yaakov you know, travels all the way to Haran, realizes that he has missed davening in the place of his forefathers in Haramoria, turns around, and when trying to return to Haramoria, um, successfully arrives there very quickly, which is called Kefitza Saderach, the way is being shortened. So it's, it's a very complex, extremely long Ramban and Rashi to understand the ge- general geographics. This is some just basic pointers. It's interesting to note that the Midrash Rabba over here says, Rav Huna, in the name of Rabbi Ami, would say that this is a description not of a place, but of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The name of Hashem is HaMakom, the place, the context of reality, and he was in Hashem's place, he was near Hashem. This might be relevant to, to the reason why it's somewhat ambiguous. Now, what is the meaning of this dream? The, the, the ladder, the Malachim, and Hashem standing there. What, what, what is the symbolism of this dream as well. So Rashi says that this is famously, he says these are an exchange of Malachim. Yaakov is about to enter Chutzlaritz, the diaspora, and the Malachim of Eretz Israel are leaving him, and the Malachim of Chutzlaritz are descending. That's why it says Olim the Yardimbai. The Malachim, the angels which are going up, are those from Israel, and they're leaving to be relieved by those who are from the diaspora, which we'll see an exchange at the end of the parasha, which reflects us in the opposite direction. However, it's worthwhile noting that there are many other explanations. So as an example, the Ramban quotes the Rebbe Yezer Agadol, that's uh, the author of Pirke, is Rebbe Yezer, one of the earliest, earliest Midrashim we have extant, that this is like the Bris Ben Abazarim, the covenant between the parts, to Yaakov Avinu. And the idea is that despite the many travails that he will encounter, he'll be looked after, which is why the Malach and the angels going up are actually, there were only four angels, each one representing a different Golos, a different exile. And the first angel ascends 70 steps, refer, re- referencing the goddess Bavel, which is going to um, ultimately torture and exile here the children of Yaakov Avinu, and then it falls down, then the next one goes up, Mardai, Paras, then there's the Persian angel, which goes up, and then the minister of um, the Greeks, and the minister of, the Ro- of Rome. And the minister of Ro- Rome, this, this celestial agent, carries on going higher and higher until the point that Yaakov Avinu gets scared, and then Akash Baruch Hu says, even if like an eagle, um, Edom will rise, I will bring her down from there. So this is about the Jewish future in this version of understanding this imagery. Rav Hirsch points out that, in fact, that the, the what's going on over here is that angels are forces in nature that Akash Baruch Hu utilizes to, uh, to affect and to change the world. But there's the, the contrast of these moving forces to Hashem's standing, Hashem's steadfastness and uh, and in infinite being next to Yaakov Avinu. What's being transmitted over here is the idea is that Yaakov Avinu is going to be the platform of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yaakov Avinu is going to ultimately be, if you if you will, for better terms, the ladder itself. Yaakov is the a, is compared to the ladder to be this, um, this uh, what's called a Merkava, 
Lashchina. That's what the Chizkuni the Chizkuni says it as well. Um, and uh, and the, the Chizkuni adds a Yerushalmi, which says that the reason why the angels were going up and down was because they were looking at the Kisayakov, the celestial throne, and they saw that on each of one of one of the four corners there was the king of each of the d- different realms of life. So in the animal world was the lion, in the domestic world was a, was a ox, in the avian world was an eagle, and on the human in the human world was. A human in the face was that of Yaakov, and the angels are going up and down, almost as if they were angry that Yaakov should be a copy of what was on the celestial sphere, and so Hashem was protecting him. What that might mean is that the example of what's being used over here, as Rav Hirsch is pointing out, is that Yaakov is going to be that platform, that Merkava, for Hashem's presence in this world, this consistent presence in the world, the human being being this dramatic expression of the Ribbana Shalala. The more Nevochim, as an example for a different, a different perspective, the more Nevochim says the latter is the expression of Hashem's power in all the different iterations and different spiritual interlocking worlds, one after the other, so his energy goes through each of these different worlds, up and down. Those are the Malachim operating these forces of nature in each of the different worlds, and Akash Baruch Hu is at the top of this whole expre- um, expression of power. Now, what is the significance of Yaakov in not knowing? He wakes up in the morning and thinks, he says, I didn't even know that this place was holy. So there are just two very fascinating perspectives. First, that is the Pirkei de Rabbi Lezer. The Pirkei de Rabbi Lezer says, Rabbi Lezer Agadol, that when he, when he woke up in the morning, what happened was, he says, and this is a very famous statement, in fact, uh, you know, some uh, later Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, bands made a song out of this, and that is, is that he woke, he woke up and he says, I, I realize that when you are in Yerushalayim, Ki'ilu mispalu lifnei kiseakavod, sheshar hashamayim posoach lishmo tevilasan shal Yisrael. This is the place where the, it's, the, the, it's the aperture, it's the closest place that a human being on earth can have a relationship with the divine and have a conversation with the celestial. That's what's being said here. How is another perspective on this? And that is that we say in the Slichos, at the very end of the Slichos, we say, Hashem who answered Yaakov in Beisel, please let us be answered. And part of the, what, what that means is that sometimes, even when we don't know that we were in the right place, but we were in the right place. Hashem, we've been looking for you in so many different places, and sometimes we go to sleep and don't realize that you're right there, that Akash Baruch, you're right in our lives, right in front of us, but we just can't see you. Please answer us like Yaakov and didn't even realize that you're sleeping in the holiest of places as well. Now, how many stones were around Yaakov in his head? So Rashi says famously at the beginning there were 12, but the stones of uh, based on the Medrash were fighting one with another, and, the, and that's why at the end it describes there was only one Evan because they actually merged into one. The, the, the Medrash Rabbah just takes us a little further that this is, this is not just a, a, you know, happens to be some sort of, you know, f- miraculous, you know, snow, stone geological, with stone, stone merging. It's actually a mashal of the children he's about to have. That if ya- Yaakov realizes that he's being, he's being given the legacy, the destiny of having children who are going to form a nation, and he says, well, I can't really do that. I can't help if it's going to be so diverse that there's going to be attrition and antagonism between my children. So Hashem showed him a sign that there will be a lot of fighting, but ultimately they'll merge to be under his head. They'll all form one part of the necessary nation. This is a sign before he even has a wife or children that this will be the future as well. Um, um, it is interesting to notice that that Rebilezer Agadol does point out that these stones actually came from the Mizbech of Yitzhak, from the altar of the um, Akedah, which is where they are in Haramoria. And, and when they emerged together, the Midrash continues to say that Hashem pushed them down, submerged them into the earth, and they became known as the Evan Shasir. That was the place where, in fact, 
the, the Aron HaKodesh that was placed in the base HaKodesh HaKadoshim because of this, this unity. So the, the base of Mikdash is supported by this stone, which is an expression of the unity of all the children, the future children of Yaakov. That's the only way we can really get the base of Mikdash back. Two last questions is, how could Yaakov be scared the next morning and make this vow that if Hashem, you're with me, but Hashem just told him he's with him. So why is, it, why is he making this, making this request as if he doesn't trust what Hashem God Almighty told him the night before in his dream. So Ramban says he knows Hashem is correct. The problem is he's concerned that he himself, he doesn't trust himself. Maybe perhaps that he or his children are not going to live up to the legacy that's being described. So he says, I'm going to make a neder that if I'm able to live up to this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this gift. And if I'm able to come through this, Rav Hirsch says that he is scared because he realizes that that this refers not to the place that he's at, but rather himself. He realizes that Hashem wants him to be the Beis Elohim, the moving house of God. He wants the human being to be an expression of the divine. And that's a terrifying thought that a human being walking on this earth can be representative of the infinite, of the divine. That's a terrifying thing that he needs to make a letter for. Finally, the one last question is, what is the promise that Yaakov Vino makes at the end? The Malbim points out there were two things he requested, so there were two things he promises. He asked for Hashem to be with, to be with him. So, Hashem will be with me. So he promises to make a base of to make a house of God. That's in response. If you, Hashem, if, if you will allow yourself to be with me, I'll make a space for you in this world. And then he asks Hashem to give, to provide him with for bread and for clothing. So in response to that, he, for all the gifts Hashem gives him, he promises, I'll tithe everything I receive. So Hashem, please allow me, allow, allow these, this protection, allow you to be in my life and I will, Be'ezrat Hashem, show you that, uh, that, that you're a part of my life. It's, a, it's reciprocal in the way that he sets it up as well. This ends the Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.